Jason Cole joining us, longtime veteran NFL reporter and NFL Hall of Fame selector. Jason, welcome back to the show. Good to be here. What's going on, guys? Well, there's a lot of storylines and there's a lot of things to get to, but the Cowboys are America's team, and the end of that game was a mess, and there were way too many penalties. And honestly, they got dominated by that Niner defense. They only scored seven points in the first three quarters. That's a huge problem. And is anything going to change in Dallas at all? Or is it just going to be wash, rinse, and repeat? And we'll see these Cowboys win a bunch of regular season games and check out of the playoffs early again next year. You got it. You're, you're, you're good. You, you got the explanation. It's, it's not changing. <laughs> Look, Jerry Jones is in charge. And the only thing that he wants is a coach that will allow him to do what he wants. So he's not going to change up for that. And it ultimately doesn't really matter who the coach is. I would say this. I think Mike McCarthy's done a pretty good job of navigating Jerry to get the team to where it is. Um, I think Jerry's going to interfere more and more because he thinks he has a team that's ready to win a Super Bowl. But other than that, no. I, I don't see them changing after having a coach who got them to the playoffs. And, by the way, they led the league in scoring this year. I mean, that, that's a good team. It's not a great team, but it's a good team, and they're going the right direction. So I, I think some of this histrionics about firing McCarthy are kind of silly. Do you feel the same way about uh, Kingsbury with Arizona? Um, I mean, generally, yes. I mean, look, again, I think Kingsbury's done a really good job. I'm not a big fan of that offense. Um, I think that offense is based on – it's X's and O's based spacing that requires superior players to make it work the right way. And so when you lose a DeAndre Hopkins – all of a sudden, everything sort of falls apart, if that makes sense. Um, so they have to do one thing. They either have to get, you know, they have to get Hopkins back, but they constantly have to feed that offense star receivers, or they have to make the transition to what New Orleans did with Drew Brees so much, which was make sure that you have two really good guards, great guards and a really great center who are stout, who makes sure that you have a clean pocket for your short quarterback. Because um, he can't really exist other than that. Uh, I mean, like the interception on the, the Connor screen pass. I, well, Connor, you can make the argument that Connor should have caught the ball. That's the kind of throw that you get from a short quarterback because he's got to angle that ball up high and, and hard to get it around the defensive lineman. So you really got to have a clean pocket for a guy like that. So Kingsbury has to go one of two ways. I think the most likely way is he's going to go with superior wide receivers. So they have to keep bringing in those guys. And unfortunately, they're either A, high draft picks, or B, expensive free agents. They've gone from five wins to eight wins to 11 wins in the three years he's been there. Should there be this mm-hmm. much hang, hand-wringing or... Should they just? No. I mean, they, they seem on the right track, even though the results. That the problem is they they play much better early in the year than they do play late, and then they play late in the year, and that has been a trend each of the three years. Sure, but the win total is still. I mean that that's a great trend. Five, eight, eleven. 
absolutely. They're doing fine. Okay, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be changing the coach. I'm not. I wouldn't. I'm not sure I would have hired him in the first place because, again, as a football, he doesn't play a kind of style of football that I like to play, um, and I like to build because I think it's precarious. But if you were going to draft that quarterback, you're going to go draft a coach who knows how to use that particular quarterback, right? So from that perspective, I'm I'm good with it, and. Like one size does not fit all in the NFL. You can win multiple ways with multiple different systems. The question is, what is the most consistent way to win in the NFL? And I don't think it's the way that Kingsbury coaches and the way that he's formulated his offense, or the way that you have a short quarterback who depends on running around. You know, short quarterback who runs around eventually becomes a short quarterback who doesn't run as much because his body gets banged up. And that day is going to come sooner than later. And what you have left is a guy that you have to protect in a very, very different way. From both aspects, Jason, I was really surprised with the Bills and Patriots. What do you make of both of those teams in that situation? I thought that was going to be a blowout. Um, I I wasn't surprised at all. I think Buffalo is just better than them. Um, Now, it got out of hand. It was extreme, obviously, because Buffalo scored a touchdown on every one of their possessions. But I don't think those two teams are particularly close. And I don't think that – I think the Patriots you – know, I think Mac Jones was okay in a first playoff game as a rookie in a brutal environment and a hard place to throw in zero-degree weather. He better learn to do that because that's going to be the kind of playoff weather he plays in his entire career as long as in the, in the Northeast – um, so I, I think there were some promising things for the Patriots. But the Patriots were a team that won a lot of games this year by reducing errors and, and slowing games down and um, you know, just playing percentages. And once in a, when you come up against teams that are just better than you and have better personnel overall, they're going to they're gonna destroy you. And I know Buffalo, their record doesn't indicate that. But they had this really rough patch in the middle of the season, you know, when they got got banged up, their offense had some problems, and, you know, they lost Tredavious White. You know, if you take away that middle part of the season, this is a team that started 4-1 and one and ended the regular season 4-0, and oh, and now are basically 5-0, and oh, you know, five-game winning streak. That's a pretty dominant team. You know, they survived that middle stretch and made the playoffs. I, I think Buffalo is a lot better than we make them out to be. And I think they have a pretty good chance to go into Kansas City with that with that offense and because they're willing to throw it and challenge that Chiefs defense. The Chiefs and the Bucks both win big. They were supposed to win big. The seven seeds mm-hmm. haven't won yet. I'm sure they will at some point because we've seen nine and seven teams go to the Super Bowl and in the case of the Giants win it. So it'll happen. But do you do you like this? <laughs> I mean, are they letting in too many teams, or is it just it's a money machine? And if the the number two seeds have quarterbacks that everybody wants to watch, and the NFL wouldn't have made money if those guys had buys and were standing on the sidelines, so just deal with the expanded playoffs. Yeah, pretty much. Like this is still a business. At the end of the day, <laughs> they want they want to see more games. They want Monday night games. They like Sunday night games. They. Yeah, you know, they want games. There's, you know, networks are desperate.
for more live action. So give them what they want, take the money for it, and run. Um, I hope they don't go to eight. I mean, look, seven's pushing it. It really is. I mean, because Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's record was, was fine, but Pittsburgh was a horrible team this year. I mean, that, that offense by the end of the year was just – I mean, it was it was awful to watch. And I wasn't – you know, like that game, I basically didn't watch much beyond the second quarter, right? So I don't know how, how valuable that is as a, as a commodity long-term for the networks other than they do have some action. Um, and, you know, Philly, I wasn't really dying to watch that team play in the playoffs either. Um, they're pretty mediocre. But, you know, they had winning records, so it's okay. I think you get into troubling areas where you have those years where you got eight and nine teams or maybe even at some point a seven and ten team. That's really where I think you're you're hurting the integrity of your game if that starts to happen. But I, I still think that's going to be the exception. Um, other than that, yeah, deal with it. This is this is what you get from a money making enterprise. For sure, yeah, no doubt about that. As I look ahead, I view Green Bay as a solid number one seed, and obviously, in my mind, they believe they belong there. Uh, in the AFC, Tennessee's the number one seed, and, and they belong there because they got there. But are, do you view them as invincible? And maybe I'm wrong to view Green Bay as a heavy favorite, and we'll see what happens. But I think Cincinnati has a decent shot against Tennessee. Oh, yeah. I like. I mean, now they played in the regular season, and, and Tennessee stopped them pretty good. And I think Tennessee's, offense, Tennessee's defense is, is pretty darn good in the back end. Um, and their ability to handle Jamar Chase and Higgins and, and Boyd um, they're going to give Joe Burrow more trouble than you expect. The other, the other problem I have with Cincinnati is I thought Zach Taylor was a little bit too conservative early in the game when he had opportunities to to put that game away. Like they, their first three possessions were all deep in Oakland territory. Via um, return or the or the fumble by Derek Carr, and they go up thirteen nothing. But that really needed to be a 17 or 21 to nothing game for them to sort of establish themselves as, hey, look, we're serious contenders. There's still that, you know, <laughs> they're not ready for primetime players. That that's They're really, really good. Um, I just figure that they're going to fall into being, you know, into being Bengalized by the Brown family and, like, they're just not going to achieve what they're supposed to achieve. That's that's my fear of this Bengals team with Burrow and Chase. Now, hopefully they overcome it. But I was really kind of disappointed with Zach Taylor not driving that game a little bit harder. All that said, yeah, the matchup is pretty good for them if they can get a couple of quick scores. If they can get a couple of quick scores and put the game in Ryan Tannehill's hands where he's forced to drop back a lot and they either don't use uh, – you know Dante Freeman, or they don't use Derrick Henry um, on a regular basis and, and pound Cincinnati. Then I think that becomes a game. But if it's a slower game where Tennessee is, you know, it's a one-score game all the way, and Tennessee is able, able to establish their running game, I think that becomes really hard for the Bengals. For the Titans here, doesn't it just depend on if they get their star back back and get him healthy and he's 100% because 
if they've got him, then they're back to who they were when they, as PK say, they earned the number one seed. I mean, mm-hmm. credit them for holding on to it without him, but to think that they can win three straight playoff games with him at limited in whatever fashion he's limited, whether it's conditioning or soreness or injury or re-injury or whatever, that, that seems like a crazy thought. But if he's 100%, they could do this. Yeah, I don't know. Look, that's a tough foot injury to come back from a loose Frank, Frank fra- fracture. Um, you know, so we'll see uh, on that one, you know, how much confidence he has in his feet because, you know, big, a big guy's got to be have, have that confidence to really put your foot in the ground and, and you know, attack, attack a, a defender. Look, but I thought Foreman was really good, right? Like, I, I don't think that that's necessarily their problem. I think their problem is if they like if if Ryan Tannehill has to make too many plays, he's still just Ryan Tannehill. He's a really nice version of Rich Gannon. Um, like that that's what he is. Um, you don't want to have to have him have to make five or six plays, you know, critical throws in a game. You want to reduce that down to two, three, maybe four big throws, you know, third and six, third and eight plays, you know, getting you out of bad field position so that, you know, you're you're punting from, you know, when you have to give up the ball, you're not giving it up in, in you know, midfield, at midfield, things like that. That's, that's the kind of thing I worry about with Tennessee more than anything else. Their defense, championship caliber defense, no question. The coach, I mean, Vrabel learned everything possible from Belichick in terms of game management that you pop, that you could. And on top of that, he's a great communicator and has a vision for what his team should be, right? Um, so you have a, a really great up-and-coming coach. So all the pieces are in place for them to win, with the exception of one thing. The quarterback's just, he's a, you know, he's above average player, and that's about it. I that's the best I can say about him. So I, you know, that's where I think the liability comes in uh, for them because in the in the playoffs you need a combination of a great quarterback and a great coach generally to get you through it. They got one of those two, not not the critical one, the quarterback. Jason, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks for coming on and talking NFL playoffs this morning. Anytime, guys. Be good. Enjoy it. Jason Cole, longtime veteran NFL reporter, NFL Hall of Fame selector, joining us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, coming up in a little more than an hour. we got more on the Jazz loss to the Lakers. Next, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.